The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin a Tuesday. Gary, how are you? I'm doing good. Lots going on. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm. What's up? What do you got? Not much. Oh, I thought you were going to play something. I thought you had some audio. Not much. Go. No, we uh, will, though. Yeah. We will have audio. Yeah. And it's the same old, same old. I will say this, though. You know, you and I, uh, we had talked about this uh, yesterday, then a number of articles out about, whoa, what's happened over the last couple of weeks where it seems like everybody in the media is on board that the 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 if there's a Trump presidency, democracy has is done is gone. The Constitution is gone. Mm-hmm. He will never leave office. <laughs> yeah. And and all of a sudden, this really started coming to the forefront here in the last week. And you and mm. I noticed it immediately. We went, hmm. You know what it is? Mm. The media believes the polls. Yeah, the media believe, uh, no, the that's, media that's, believes. The I polls think that's now. a very sound theory. Uh, it yeah. has to be that because remember when DeSantis was on the rise and everything was being thrown at DeSantis. No, I don't. <laughs> you're not old enough to remember that. <laughs> well, what, I'm pretty sure you're old enough to remember oh, that. Okay, he was on the rise at one point. <laughs> yeah. then. Okay, I just, okay, I just. I, it's the on the on the rise part that you didn't remember. Oh. Yes, exactly. Oh, okay. Right, right. It's I the on, get it. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't recall that uh, ever. How, how long ago was that? Well, wow. I'm not sure if you're old enough was, to remember that. It was actually. definitely before football yeah. season started. Maybe before Wait, baseball season began. You, you mean this season? <laughs> <laughs> last season. <laughs> this season. For, for baseball last season. Right. <laughs> Back when they were wearing leather helmets. But, um... <laughs> the, um... Uh, the oh, the media, of course, when they fear someone on the right, they go after them. You know, Bill Maher was, you know, and, and this is why we don't let people off the hook like Bill Maher. You know, the Democrats and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you helped build it. And you were one of those that was saying, in fact, you were the one that was saying, yeah, we called Bush and all the other guys Hitler. But this guy, Trump, actually is Hitler. 
And, you know, that's the uh, fear-mongering that they do when they're afraid that they're going to lose. You know, my fear, and you and I were talking about it uh, walking out the door yesterday morning. I don't know if fear is the right word. My concern is the GOP. And The Hill had an interesting story about how many seats in the House uh, there are that are kind of on the line. Uh, And with uh, Santos and, and the whole thing. Uh, But, you know, the Santos district was Democrat, you know, and so there was a I don't know what the appeal was when he ran to those uh, to the rank and file Republican in that uh, district. I I can't tell you I didn't see the ads. Apparently, they were filled with a lot of untruths. But if you if that is the case, if New York is one of those where, okay, there's so much on the line, then the story uh, coming out about Kirsten Sinema. You know, and and we talked about that over in the Senate and how it could, you know, the balance of the Senate and and what seats are in play. Manchin is not going to run again. And he saw the writing on the wall. The question is, does Kirsten Sinema see the writing on the wall? Um, Can she stay in Arizona? Will the uh, constituents back her in Arizona? And all of those things, it's what's interesting is that I noticed after we left here, oh, that's that's a really uh, something new as of late. And that was, I have a lot more confidence that Trump can beat Biden than I do the Senate going GOP and the House remaining GOP. And that's something where a threshold, I guess, I don't know, in recent weeks, it has to do with the polls. It has to do with everything going on with, with Biden. Um, and it also has to do with the fact that the GOP uh, seems to be in disarray. I do think Johnson is, you know, trying to keep it together, but it remains to be seen if he can actually get it done. And that is to keep the House in order, uh, keep the GOP in order, promote mm, I, them the way they, sh- I, they should be promoted. I don't see Trump outperforming if Trump wins I believe they take this House and the Senate. Well, I don't see Trump outperforming the – he didn't last time. So I don't see him outperforming this time. I'm not saying it doesn't mean he can't win. I'm saying I don't believe he will outperform. What you're saying is that, that, that the average, if he wins, the down ballot goes with him. Yes. Yeah, um, yes. which wasn't uh, the – a lot of those House seats in 2016, uh, and I say a lot, it was a number of those House seats in 2016 uh, greatly outperformed him in certain states. Um, I don't, I think that if he hits a certain threshold in the votes, and I guess it remains to be seen where uh, RFK Jr. comes in and, and what kind of numbers he takes from who. Uh, Jill Stein's going to take from Biden. Uh, I think you're, you know, you you will have it fractured. But if we talked about this recently, certainly if he gets a a very strong, decisive lead over Biden, I'm with you on that. I think the down ballot goes with him. Um, which is interesting because we kind of brought this up. Uh, you know, a couple, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, maybe last week, about how the GOP being in such disarray as they have been for a while, it, it, Trump may be 
the guy who comes in and pulls it all together. That wasn't necessarily the case in 2016. Here's here's uh, here's how I look at it. I mean, and it's and it's pretty simple. If uh, if you look at it, and uh, let me see, Biden. Okay, roughly six, seven, seven million votes. He beat Trump by. Mm-hmm. All right, and I'm going by. I'm not going by the electoral college. No, I'm just going by the 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 actual popular vote. Mm-hmm. If Biden, if if Trump wins by three percentage points. Let's say he does. Yeah. You know, you look you, three points. Yeah. And, and I'm using the three points because that seems to be probably mid range. All right. And right. I'm just, you know, it's a little bit of a guesstimate there. But you're talking about a switch in, of 10 million votes. Mm-hmm. If there's a switch of, yeah, of a 10, swing. Yeah. if there's a swing of 10 million votes, and, and it doesn't matter whether it's people actually changing their votes or not showing up. Yeah. Then Republican sweep. There's yeah. just no way you get that kind of. Without carrying the down ballot. Yeah. If, yeah. if that. If that's what if that's what happens, which again it's if Trump wins, will uh, he? Just, if Trump wins, everybody goes with him because at that point, it's more, it's more than just, it's more than just because Republicans. And it was an inter- interesting article you and I read the other day that said it's the indictment, stupid mm-hmm. that so many Trump supporters view it. Well, independents aren't viewing it that way, right? Yeah, independents are not viewing it the same way as loyal Trump supporters. In the Republican Party and even Republican voters, uh, who uh, may not be an always Trump or may be disappointed in him, that would come along anyway because it would be issue based. Well, here's here's what there's so many so many variables right now in play, and it just seems like every day those variables move, and I mean there's real movement in each of those variables. What concerns me is where the vote might be split. Um, I don't believe that RFK Jr. is going to take as much from Trump as he is from Biden. I Neither think do I. It's going to be the other way around. And I think it's going to be those, I won't call them moderate Democrats because I don't even know what that means anymore. But the rank and file Democrats who absolutely want to, you know, at least for now, separate from the party they've supported all their life. And he's one of those you know, that votes that you can feel confident in the far left liberal who's not confident in Biden. And they'll tell you, oh, it's because of his age, um, but it's actually because of everything on the table might go with Jill Stein. She's not going to get I don't think she's going to get any more than she got in 2016. I really don't. Then, you know, um, we'll you know, we're, we'll see where it goes with all the other, you know, uh all the other candidates, but I'm with you. If, if he has a decisive win, then there's no way he doesn't carry the down ballot, but he's got to get that decisive win. And if he gets it, even without getting over 50, let's say he is able to take that lead and, and you know, it's three percentage points or more. That's as good as a mandate. That's as good as the country saying, all right, we want to get back to what we were doing in 2018, 2019, pre-COVID. And that's the way you have to attack it. And hopefully, the G- if that happens, and the GOP benefits from that in the House and the Senate, they listen. Well, we, we look now, this is the, the second consecutive poll, and this is the uh, INI tip poll. 
I believe, which mirrors the Messenger Harris X poll. Mm-hmm. And this one came out yesterday. And it shows, and again, remember, this is 11 months out. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we know, we remember how uh, in, in 2016, how Hillary was in the lead. Yeah. And everybody thought this is a shoe-in for Hillary and everything else. And then with about three weeks left, everything, the movement started. But if you look at the pattern that's starting to develop now, and again, it's the infancy of the pattern. You see that uh, in the general election, if it's just uh, uh, Trump and Biden, forty-one thirty-nine. There's a ton of undecided. How could any? Let me ask you this question: How could anybody possibly be undecided in the in a race like I that? I think it's a cop out answer. Yeah, who are, who are the? They don't want to answer I right think, now. I think, it's a, I think it's a cop out response. I really do. Mm. But I when, think, and by the way, we see that in the um, in the civics polling with Democrats, and with Democrats, there's often double digits that say they neither approve or disapprove of you know on his job approval, and that's bogus. That's a cop out. And and so, but if you if you look at the latest one, it's Trump forty one, Biden thirty nine. Mm-hmm. If you add Kennedy, West, and Stein, all right, that are in, yeah, they're in. Uh, you all of a sudden you get Trump 38, Biden 33, Kennedy 11, West 2, Stein 2, Trump is up plus 5. That's a second consecutive poll that shows that Kennedy, West, and Stein are pulling more from Biden than they are Trump at and, that, and at that he, point. And if he, if, if a, if an election lands that way, then it is, it will be a sweep. I would be very, very surprised if Kennedy ever got close to in a real election. 11. I would, too. Uh, where did he come out as when he announced he was at, like, 18 or some, something? Yeah, he was up ridiculous. higher. Yeah, well, here's one right here. Uh, this is the messenger uh, Harris X from last Thursday. Trump, 40, Trump 43, Biden 36, Kennedy 17. Yeah. West I, 4. Okay. <sighs> But 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 Trump goes from when it's head to head, it's Trump fifty two, Biden forty eight. That's where they, apparently they don't give you any choice. You have to pick one or the other. Yeah. Fifty two, forty eight, and and uh, uh, this one would be Trump uh, uh, forty three, Biden thirty six, Kennedy seventeen, West four. So Kennedy and West would pull nine points from Trump, but would pull twelve points from Biden. Hmm. Which, may- which shows you where the public is right now. Well, and when, when, it, and when, when it gets when you, down to doing the deed, you know, it's one thing to respond to a pollster. But it, when it gets down to doing the deed, the one thing that people are, are so many people want to do quite often is go back to the past. And we don't mean to go back to the 70s. We mean go back to 2018, 2019. It's so crushing what's going on with inflation right now. And people have it in their mind that, well, if we just bring that guy back, he'll do the same. I don't know that that the economy will come back like it was. I suspect it will be a lot better, just basically what he can do on uh, deregulating anything that Biden put in through executive orders. But it doesn't happen overnight, but it doesn't matter. That's the mindset of people. And if at the last minute, they're convinced or or they're just hoping we can go back to that economy 
they pull that trigger and say, you know what? It's it's Michael Rappaport all over again. You know, he had some choice words. We couldn't play the audio that he of what he called Trump. But he said, if it gets down to Biden and Trump, I'm voting Trump. This is a guy who's a lifelong yeah. liberal. And that's that's why you've seen that the, the media is panicking. We'll, we'll go through some of the things that they have said over the uh, the the last uh, a week. Mm-hmm. And I and I simply say, you know, and and it was interesting because watching all this and then seeing Matt Taibbi again, mm-hmm. you had uh, uh, him, you had Michael Schellenberger mm-hmm. uh, before the House again talking about the weaponization of yeah. government and the yeah. things that they feared. Yeah. And you have to remember, these are two Democrats. Right. And they are and they look at the the censoring that went on and the cooperation. And I'll actually I'll get the audio cut where they said, you know, what do you fear most? You know, about what's going on. And they talk about, you know, the you know, law enforcement and the FBI and mm-hmm. and the administration and they go, absolutely, they were attempting to censor the opposite side through pressuring social media that's that's something that trump could never do right yeah uh, uh to to begin with even if he wanted to but mm-hmm. that is you know we know that that's exactly what happened we know you want to talk about de- ending democracy look what hillary clinton did trying to set up trump in 2016 oh, yeah right. and th- those things are absolutely unprecedented right the censoring that is that is going on uh right now the protection of hunter biden and joe biden the 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 media uh, doing the 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 bidding the mainstream media of the federal government and you know and we saw what happened in October of 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 2020 we've seen the Twitter files it's Democrats yep. that broke that all open yep it's yep. Democrats yep. that are, that de- for, former Democrats that have laid it out completely as to the cooperation of government to shut down opinions that they don't agree with and using their proxies to do it which is unconstitutional right yeah by the way and, you're also seeing uh, a lot more of those january 6 arrest stories in the in the last week or two in the media and i think this is i again two-tier justice system curve it any which way we can Eight six six ninety red eye this report is brought to you by Shell Rotella. With advanced synthetic technology, is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. This preventative maintenance tip is brought to you by Hot Shot Secret, the country's number one fastest-growing oil and additive company. If you've been driving a diesel any length of time, you know diesel fuel quality can be an issue. There are U.S. standards that diesel fuel is supposed to meet, like cetane number, lubricity, a.k.a. wear protection, deposit control, but oftentimes the fuel at the pump falls short. Let's highlight diesel fuel's lubricity. Diesel fuel in the United States must have enough lubricity so the fuel does not produce a wear scar greater than 520 microns. The U.S. is much more lax on this specification, which leads to more fuel system failures here in the U.S. compared to other parts of the world. Without the proper lubrication, you run the risk of fuel pump and injector failures. This is why a premium additive is needed to keep lubricity levels in spec, to keep the fuel system protected and avoid costly repairs and downtime. 
Add Hot Shot Secret EDT Plus Winter Defense, a 7-in-1 anti-gel fuel booster. At every fill-up to keep your fuel's lubricity within specification of U.S. standards and the Engine Manufacturers Association recommendation for lubricity to keep you from gelling. Learn more about the science behind diesel fuel and Hot Shot Secret's EDT Plus Winter Defense at HotShotSecret.com. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. Shell Rotella with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just something I've noticed, bargain hunting is back. I mean, bargain hunting's always been around. We always love a great deal, but man, everywhere you look, people are bargain hunting, you know. There's so many great ways to find great deals. Hey, I have a great find in your bargain hunting journey. Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price that's a real bargain when you use the code CPREDEYE. That's the letters CPREDEYE, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel6.com. That is a bargain. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. It's Friday Radio. He's Eric Carney, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, an impeachment inquiry possibility officially ramping up. More information coming out. Not good for Joe Biden. Our night and still not enough. Listen to our podcast available on the app and on our website, red All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen when and where you want if you can't listen uh, overnight. Uh, getting back uh, to the uh, point again, Corrine Jean Pierre, uh, back there. <laughs> at the White House podium mm. and really can't answer any questions. This one on the censorship testimony, mm. uh, the censorship, the weaponization of government that Republicans held, where you had Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger from the Twitter files again testify and understand they're Democrats. Yeah. And they yeah. are horrified by what they have seen, which mm. they 
say is absolutely unconstitutional that the Democrats in this administration did to stop free speech in the United States. Here's this. Uh, the online censorship question. Uh, last week, the House Judiciary Committee subpoenaed Rob Flaherty um, about the efforts to influence social media moderation. Um, is the White House going to seek to block that testimony? Um, and is there any reconsideration by the White House um, or regrets about the past flagging of social media content for removal? So I'm just going to uh, be... Um be very clear here, my colleagues at the White House Counsel's Office has already addressed this, so I would have to refer you to them. There you go. Can't answer that question. I'd that... be very clear that I'm not going to answer the question. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, she's been saying that a lot lately. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this one is, did the, the, the after, and we'll get to this in just a, a moment, actually looking uh, uh, into it, uh, what's going on now? You look at it and you go, okay, this is no longer about Hunter Biden. This is about Joe Biden. You really can't make – and I'm talking about the mainstream media that's making yeah. that argument. Yeah. And uh, this is where the, the payments from that Chinese firm, monthly payments, went from them to Hunter to Joe. Mm-hmm. And so directly Chinese payments from China went to Joe. And the response that you got from the uh, – uh, from I think it was the uh, uh, Hunter's lawyer is well these are all just loans and it doesn't matter whether they're loans no it doesn't no. matter it's where the money is coming from and it doesn't matter whether it's a loan or not a loan it's of course where the money is coming from here's Corrine Jean Pierre yesterday when this question is brought up to her thank you uh, the White House has said repeatedly that the president and his son were never in business together they said that repeatedly also in this room. Um, According to bank records obtained by the House Oversight Committee, though, uh, one of Hunter Biden's businesses, Osawa PC, set up direct payments to the president. Uh, did the president accept payment? And why would there be such an arrangement if they were never in business together or if there was a wall of separation, as the president has previously said? So I have to be uh, clear with you. I, I have not seen that report, so I would. I have to be clear with you. I'm not going to answer that question either. Let me be clear. I won't be answering any of your questions. Now, Next did, question. Did you hear the report? <laughs> did you hear the reporter said, including this room? Yeah. Yeah. That there were, you know, that the president has said that he never did any type of business with his son. And those statements were made also in this room, yep. which means not you only said it, yeah, not only did he lie, you lied. You should, right. you should see the look on her face. There is no smiling, that little smirk that she has once in a while at all. Uh, on it now, I want to go to uh, this is James Comer yesterday, uh, last night on Fox News with uh, with uh, Sean um, uh, Hannity, and Sean was asking the point that if it's uh, if it's a loan, you know, wouldn't you have the evidence that the loan was actually given? And Comer goes into that and then says what we've always said: it doesn't matter whether it's a loan; it's where the money comes from. Yeah, the loan is meaningless. You know, that's it's, I'm I'm trying to think of an analogy. Um, uh, I robbed the bank. Uh, I, we, 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 is it, is it true? Did you rob the bank? (laughs) We never were parked illegally outside the front of that bank. You, you and, and, and Bonnie, Gary, back in the day, robbed that bank across from the coffee shop you were talking about. Yeah, yeah, the coffee shop where I I had, where I was an extra in that independent movie the other day. And that's how you paid off your house. Yes, exactly. Right across the street is a barber shop that they say, yeah. well, right down the road and across yeah, the street. Right, yeah. It's a block down. Right. 
is the every time I look at it, I'm like, wow, did you Bonnie seem to Clyde, know a lot about the location, Gary? Did Bonnie and Clyde actually <laughs> walk in there? Well, let's you know, I I do observe, and if uh, you're going to be a good criminal, you must. If you you're must, going to have that criminal you mind, must observe. You must observe. Right? Yeah, I, I learned that from the uh, the actors playing uh, mob people last week. There. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> when I was an extra. <laughs> In the I'll, I'll post some stuff on social media over the next couple of days. Yeah, I, I, there's somebody got a picture of me there in the middle of of everything, and then, uh, but uh, it was a lot of fun. We'll see if it comes out in a year, whatever. Yeah, we'll see if I'm in the the cliffhanger episode. Right, the last moment with with my talking part. Remember, yeah, my talking right. part. Yeah, I walk up to the bouncer. He says, "Name, Gary McNamara. How do you spell that? M C N A M A R A." Looks me up and down, goes, okay, you can go in. Which meant that Don is allowing me into his coffee. Ah, because he knows you're from New York. That's why. <laughs> but here it is. Here's here's James <laughs> Comer. Uh, uh, Sean had asked him about the loan. Wouldn't there be evidence that the loan was actually given? Here's Comer. Absolutely not. And, of course, if you made a loan to someone, you would have a check going out to that person in addition to the check coming back for the so-called loan repayment. That's what that email was we talked about on your show last week, Sean, when uh, the bank questioned Hunter Biden about what was the reason for the $5 million wire from China. He apparently told the loan officer it was a it was a loan. So the loan officer said, well, we're going to need documentation to prove to the bank examiners it was a loan. Do you have loan documentation? He said, no. So we're supposed to believe that China gave Hunter Biden a loan for $5 million. If you look at the last four payments that we found with ties directly to Joe Biden, uh, they amount to uh, a, a half a million dollars. And in every instance, they've said this was a loan repayment. And, and that's just hard to believe, Sean, unless you've got documentation to prove that it was a loan, which obviously, according to the emails from the banks, they do not. But whether it was a loan or not, it's not important, Sean. What matters is the way the money was paid to Joe Biden was directly through influence peddling. And now this is the second payment or series of payments to Joe Biden that came directly from China. There's no disputing that. Even the White House isn't disputing the money to repay Joe Biden, if in fact it was a loan, came from China. There you go. Yeah. There you go. And and that's the difference. That's that's where it, you know, this one uh uh takes you. And and again, they don't one of the reasons they're doing the they're they want to have the vote for the impeachment inquiry is they even want more clout because of course they're stonewalling coming from the administration right. for the yeah. The yeah. records that uh, they want, so right. they they wish to up this. Now Johnson says he has the votes. After all this coming out, I can see why you know Johnson has the votes right. to to do this. Uh, uh, you know to do this uh, uh, officially. But this story is the House panel from National Review. The House panel investigating President Biden's involvement in the suspected influence peddling scheme produced new bank records that lawmakers say tie him to the family's foreign business dealings. Bank records subpoenaed by the House Oversight and Accountability Committee show that the president's son, Hunter, provided monthly payments to his father from a business uh, account that funneled money from deals made with China, Ukraine, and other countries. Hunter Biden's attorney, uh, uh, Abby Lowell, said the money from Hunter Biden to his father was repayment for a loan from Mr. Biden to his son to purchase a truck. Hmm. Like I said, that doesn't matter. Right. It doesn't matter what the loan was. Right. If there was a loan or not a loan, it right. doesn't matter. Right. 
It's where the money is coming from directly. Emails on Hunter Biden's discarded uh, computer laptop confirm he made a similar payment in January of 2019. Uh, the recurring checks to Mr. Biden were small, each totaling 1380 But House investigators say the deposits clash with President Biden's claim that he did not receive money from the lucrative business deals made by family members uh, and their business uh, associates. Uh, as uh, Comer said, this wasn't a payment from Hunter Biden's personal account, but an account for his corporation mm. that received the money directly from China. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way around it. There's absolutely no way around it. And I don't know how you defend it. You know, the, the, the whole idea of the loan with his brother. Remember what they were saying about that. The loan with James Biden. What was the loan? And then who was it that said, who was it from the White House that said, we can prove it was a loan, but they wouldn't prove that it was a loan. The point being, if they could prove that it was a loan, they would step out in front of it. But even if that were true, it wouldn't matter because of the source of the money. And they know that. Just to get the full quote here, this wasn't a payment from Hunter Biden's personal account, but an account for his corporation that received payments from China and other shady corners of the world. Uh, This is all in quotes. Uh, At this moment, Hunter Biden is under investigation by the Department of Justice for using a Wasco PC for tax evasion and other serious crimes. Comer says the payments, quote, are part of a pattern revealing Joe Biden knew about, participated in, and benefited from his family's influence-peddling schemes. As the Bidens received millions from foreign nationals and companies in China, Russia, Ukraine, Romania, and Kazakhstan, Joe Biden dined with his family's foreign associates, spoke to them by speakerphone, had coffee, attended meetings, and ultimately received payments that were funded by his family's business dealings, the committee added in a press uh, release. Uh, the, it was unclear based on the bank records, how many monthly payments were made, but a source familiar with the committee probe said the investigators had discovered at least, uh, uh, three payments last week. The committee released an email from a bank money laundering investigator who expressed serious concerns about a transfer of funds from China that ultimately trickled down to president Biden in the form of a $40,000 check from his brother, James Biden. Biden received a $40,000 personal check from an account shared with his brother, James Biden, and sister-in-law, Sarah Biden, in September of 2017. Money that was marked as a loan repayment. The alleged repayment was sent after funds were filtered from Northern International Capital, a Chinese company affiliated with the Chinese energy firm CEFC through several accounts related to Hunter Biden and eventually down to the personal account shared by James and uh, Sarah Biden, Northern International Capital, sent $5 million to Hudson West, a joint venture established by Hunter Biden and a CEFC associate on August 8th. On the same day, Hudson West sent a $40,000, $400,000 to a Wasco PC entity uh, owned and controlled by Hunter Biden. Six days later, Biden wired 150000 to the Lion Hall Group, a company owned by James and Sarah Biden. Sarah Biden withdrew 50000 in cash from Lion Hill Group on August 28th and deposited the funds into her and her husband's 
personal checking account. Then on September 3rd, Sarah Biden wrote a check to Joe Biden for $40,000. An unidentified bank investigator sent an email on June 26, 2018 to colleagues raising concerns about money sent from Hudson West to Owasco, PC. The email said the $5 million in funds sent from Northern International Capital were primarily used to fund 16 wire transfers, totaling more than $2.9 million to Owasco, PC. The wires were labeled as management fees and reimbursement. Quote, we find it unusual that approximately 58% of the funds were transferred to a law firm in a few months, and the frequency of payments appears erratic, the investigator wrote in an email, which the committee shared with National Review. The investigator said Hudson West does not currently have any investment projects at this time, which raises further concerns as millions in fees are being paid out, but do not appear to have any services rendered by Owasco PC, yeah. which is, again, this gets back to what business are they in? Right. And you've seen they don't even the Democrats don't even use it anymore. Well, the uh, uh, the the Trumps are in business. Yeah. Uh, why can't the Bidens yeah. be in business? Yeah. Well, tell me what business the Bidens are in. We know the Trumps are that are in business. We've known that for fifty years. Not a word of what the Bidens' business is, and then all of a sudden, the entire family's involved. Yeah, this isn't going. This isn't going good at all. Now that they're no. tying money directly to. Uh, uh, Joe Biden, eight six six ninety red eye. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about. How to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, by the end of the week, will uh, Congress have uh, voted on uh, to uh, rescind the the EV uh, uh, mandate? And also, will there be an official, 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 official impeachment inquiry uh, going ahead? Mike Johnson saying he has the votes uh, uh, for that. And none of it's good. Look, I agree uh, with DeSantis, who said you've got to hit all these things here. But you've got to also be promoting what you're going to be doing in 2024. You've got to talk about what the independents are concerned about, which is, of course, inflation. Yep. And, you know, and I, I think also those mandates that are in place that are, you know, going to roll out if 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 they don't roll them back, that has to be a concern on people's minds and with industry. I mean, that's going to affect all types of industry, including farming which carries a lot of independence. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. 
Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Well, I was just uh, scrolling on my phone and went to Facebook and came upon an ad that uh, the ad is selling a cream that will give me six-pack abs. No, it won't. Apparently, you wipe the cream on your belly and it gives you six-pack abs. Should I question whether that ad is accurate? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) It may give you a belly that appears that you enjoy drinking six packs. <laughs> so I would look at the disclaimer before I purchased. I uh, don't think you're going to see the results you're thinking. <laughs> I had that feeling too. <laughs> yeah. I just get a feeling that it's not that easy. But it did catch my eye. Yeah. That's the one thing. Uh, I, by the way, have a, uh, I'm going to be soon launching a product that uh, also is a topical product that if used properly will give you a dad bod. (laughs) Follow the instructions carefully, especially the part that says lots of French fries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) No, man, I'm telling you. Yeah, Uh, it's. Just, but somebody has to be buying it, right? I mean, there has to be somebody going, okay, I got it. I got yeah. the magic cream. Yeah. I got the magic cream. Yeah. No yeah. more going to the gym, which I don't do. I just got a membership. But no more not going to the gym. <laughs> no more paying for the gym and not using it. Well, I saw a, a, a picture <laughs> uh, of, uh, of Chuck Norris for the total gym. Oh, yeah. And it said, you can have a body like this. And he goes, he's 80, whatever he is. And it shows like this incredible, you know, six-pack abs. Yeah. I've had that ma- I've had that machine for 17 years, and it is a great, I'm not mm-hmm. doing a commercial here. Mm-hmm. It's just a mm-hmm. great. We have one, yeah. It's a, it's a great machine. Yeah. I mean, it, it uh, has taken away. I mean, I had sciatic nerve problems when I got it 17 years ago. That's mm-hmm. gone. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my joints are great. And what I found out, though, it's not just a machine. It's resistance training in general. Yeah. And I've been reading over the last couple of months that that may be, as you get older, the most effective form of exercise because when you get older, you need to strengthen muscles, and people don't do it, and that does. But right. it's not going to give you that six-pack ab that Chuck Norris has. That shouldn't be your goal. No. Your goal should be to get a little stronger, Let's say each week. Yes. Uh, and, you know, and like I said, it makes the, I don't have stingers in my elbows anymore. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, my, my knees are a lot better. So um, it's helped. It has helped uh, that way. But really, I mean, uh, uh, maybe, as I said the other day, maybe not a six-pack or 12-pack ab, but maybe a small keg ab. Remember the. Um, is what I'm getting. The, the, the. Every once in a while on a cable channel, you know, early in the mo- morning, they would show the, you know, the, the the senior workout. And it would be quite often uh, one of our 
beloved seniors sitting in a chair doing exercises yes. know, in the chair. Uh-huh. Like, uh, you know, lifting arms and everything else. And I'm thinking, oh, no, no, no. They're never going to win a competition this way. <laughs> Scoffing as a young guy. And the other day I found myself saying, you know what? I'm not going to do my chair exercises today. <laughs> I don't have the energy. I don't think I have the strength to do it today. How things change. Hey, you know what as I did? As you age. You know what I did yesterday? Huh? On a uh, December 4th, I cut and edged my lawn. Yeah? And the edging was real. Oh, you know, the beauty thing is, I mean, about the. And we've had in we've been in the sixties, but you take that edger down, you can look and see if your soil is moist. Mm-hmm. There's no evaporation going on in my None. Mind. None. I mean, I mean it's absolutely I mean it's which I, is great. Oh, you yeah. don't have to you don't have to water or anything, but um so I noticed the same thing. I was adding to my Christmas lights. Uh my neighbor across the street always does a great job on in fact he was literally working on his lawn. He does it at night. I I don't know because if it's because uh, he works different hours or not. I'm not sure, but, uh, he was on his roof when I left. <laughs> it, was, it was dark. He was up there, uh, working and, and he, he likes to do that sometimes on the weekend. His grandkids come over and they'll, they'll help him, but he does a spectacular job. I mean, it's, it's, and I do lights on the roof, lights along the garden, candy cane, lit candy canes along the garden. And we had a, you know, I did some cleaning up from the leaves and, and the gutters and the whole thing over the weekend. And then went to bed Sunday afternoon, wake up, and there's leaves everywhere. So we had some wind blow through, and apparently we were getting uh, a very mild cold front coming through. So, yeah, I got to get out there again in the morning. It doesn't get light until like 730 I know. You know, in the summer, I can get out there. I can start things up at seven, but it feels weird in the dark. So I don't, I don't try not to disturb my neighbors. What I'm happy about is it was in October. And then after we changed the clocks in November, I wasn't sleeping good in the second shift. Yeah. And all right. of a sudden, the past 10 days, I can't stay awake. It's great. Yeah. I mean, it's great. I no, mean, I, I love sleeping. I have been sleeping <laughs> a lot since I got COVID. And that goes back a ways now. But since I got COVID, I'm not having any problems sleeping. I I don't know if it's that or the, the seasonal thing. But uh, I don't have any problem. I can sleep as long as I want to. I can go to bed as early as I want to, which is not typical for me, but... In the fall and winter, I get more time, especially uh, in December. I get more time to sleep, so I take advantage of it. All right, in uh, in news out there, CNN and ABC are reportedly interested in hosting independent Republican primary presidential debates in the upcoming months. All right, okay. Because this one this week is going to be on News Nation. And the CW. I thought about that. Yeah, I didn't know the CW when they just said News Nation. Yeah, that's all I saw. I said, "Is it?" I said, "Well, nobody's going to watch this thing." Well, and nobody had nobody watches News Nation, right? And so I was looking at the ratings. I told you during a break. Uh, the August this is GOP primary debates. Uh, August debate 
uh, August 23rd, 12.8 to uh, as high as 13 million. That was Fox News. September 23rd was Fox Business, but still landed 9.5 million. November 8th, it was NBC News, and it was 7.5 million. And then December 6th, uh, we don't know yet, but it's going to be on, we don't know the ratings yet, of course, but it's going to be on News Nation and CW. Um, and I have to wonder, look, there's going to be attrition just based on the fact that everybody knows where everybody stands. You have people dropping out and, uh, things are just kind of lining up. You see DeSantis is, you know, probably getting a bump or going to get a bump, you know, from last week a little bit, but it's going to remain basically down to the three. And really, it's down to Trump. There's not going to be a change unless uh, there's some kind of uh, health-related issue or he drops out. He decides to drop out. Otherwise, I don't see that changing. If it hasn't changed by now with everything going on with him, then it's not going to change. Then talk about, you know, this is the networks wanting to independently uh, have the debates on their own. As they have here from, this is from Breitbart, some GOP candidates previously voiced support for additional debates, though it's unknown if they would participate in established network events. Uh, GOP president, uh, presidential candidate uh, Vivek Ramaswamy slammed the Republican National Committee for allowing NBC the privilege to host the November 8th uh, debate. And the, the beautiful thing about it was the number of people that watched that, mostly Republicans, that thought NBC did a better job than Fox. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the networks could independently schedule the debates in the coming months. Political reported ABC News before the New Hampshire January 23rd primary. CNN unknown. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, a person uh, familiar with the RNC's debate deliberations told Politico the committee did not commit uh, to uh, uh Did not commit to anything. Okay, okay. That's what it is. During yeah. the meeting, the committee plans to consider terminating candidate pledges. Why? Why now? The pledges prevent candidates from participating in non-RNC-sanctioned debates. Should the RNC forego holding future debates... It would allow the networks to set criteria for qualifications and format, something the RNC has done for the first four debates. All right. There's been four? Yeah. Or do they count this one? Uh, well, I, I'm guessing they're counting the qualifications for this one, right? Okay. Yeah. It doesn't matter. The debates it, don't matter. I mean, it's... it's it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's Trump isn't in it. And, and Trump the, isn't on the stage. And and the more you more debates you have, the more the public has figured yeah, that out. Right. And it's not gonna you know, there's a lot of uh pushback on, you know, things that Ramaswamy is saying. We've talked about the things Nikki Haley has said. Uh DeSantis did a great job against Newsom, but it's not gonna help him much in twenty four. It may help him down the road. Don't know. May help him as you know, as uh, if if he wants to remain governor of, of Florida, you know, going forward. Uh, but, you know, more and more you have to look at 
I, I think you'll see at the, you'll see it after right after Iowa. You'll start to see, uh, you know, where DeSantis is. If he gains any momentum from Iowa, uh, if he is to, you know, surge and outperform the polls uh, and then somehow win Iowa, uh, if that's the case, he'll have some momentum. But the question is, how far do you wait if the polls show that you're going to lose to Trump in your home state as a sitting governor on March 5th, uh, Super Tuesday? So that decision has to be made by the campaign. He has money. That's not going to be a problem. But that money can be tucked away for and used in future campaigns. 86690 red eye brought to you by FPPF Fuel Power Max. Surviving and thriving as an owner operator has just as much to do with managing costs as it does with generating revenue. Like the chief financial officer of any company, you have to be concerned about rising costs, especially without increases in revenue. Trying to reduce costs, let alone make sense of them, can be a complicated task. Understanding basic principles of operating costs can save you thousands of dollars a year. A penny saved could be $1,000 earned. Saving just one penny per mile over 100,000 miles driven annually will deliver $1,000 to the bottom line at the end of the year. Brought to you by Shell Rotella, with advanced synthetic technology is designed to help keep your rig running with more mileage and less maintenance. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Coming up on the bottom of the hour, we told you how it's really been the last week and really the last couple of days of media going crazy. Apparently, the media now buys the poll that uh, Biden's numbers are, the polls that Biden is doing horrible right now. Yeah. Because all you've heard over the last uh, really couple of days is uh, how Trump will be a dictator, how he won't leave uh, 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 office. Uh, how democracy is dead. And it's interesting because we brought this up yesterday that it's like really the platform from the Democrats is if you elect Republicans, the world will end because of climate change yeah. and democracy is gone. Right, right, Which, right. of course, is ridiculous right. as a statement. But as we said, if you want to know, if you want to know the evidence where we look and say, all right, where's democracy at a greater peril? And we look at the censorship that has gone on, uh, that uh, the vast majority of it promoted and instituted by liberals. Uh, we'll get uh, to some of the uh, audio from the other day where Matt Taibbi, a Democrat, and uh, Michael Schellenberger, a Democrat, uh, who were part of the Twitter files, really around the first anniversary, they were brought back again to talk about the weaponization of government and what shocked them the most. So we'll get to that uh, coming up. Also... Uh, you've got a couple of stories here. J.P. Morgan predicts a grim outlook for the stock market next year. And it seems as if you've got more economists believing now that we may be in a recession next year. Yeah, it's uh, it seemed to be building. At first, it was a, just a couple of economists that were saying it. Uh, Bill Gross and PIMCO had been saying it, Yeah, I don't know, for a few weeks. And then some others jumped on board. And now as we get closer to the end of the year, 
Uh, it seems to be a growing consensus. I guess we'll see what happens, um, but but certainly they believe by the end of the year uh, it will be uh, the uh, it will be another you know it will be a recession and and the problem is is that of course for the Biden campaign uh, that's going to hurt if it hits in the summer, um, but then you have uh, Fed Chairman Powell because others were predicting. I saw another prediction this past weekend that said that the Fed will lower interest rates six times in 2024. Six times. Yeah. Others have said they believe lowering of interest rates will begin sometime in 24. But this prediction was six times in 2024. Well, then that's a major recession that we're in if they're well, predicting that. If that's the case, then we're going to be in, yeah, real, yeah. really bad territory with a correction on the Dow that's that's uh, in pretty significant numbers. And um, I'm hoping that's not the case. But quite frankly, I'm not sure how you get out of the high inflation. This is exactly what what they it's designed raising the interest rates is designed to slow the economy the national association of business economists outlook survey expect growth to slow to one percent between the fourth quarter of 2023 and the fourth quarter of 2024 now if you're saying for an entire year growth will be one percent you have a great chance of having a recession which would be two consecutive quarters of uh below you know of contraction and yeah. you have had u.s manufacturing registered its 13th straight month of contraction yeah it was ing uh this from business insider we've been getting a lot of stuff from business insider we talked right? about this lately i don't yeah. know what's going on yeah. over there uh the federal reserve will cut interest rates six times in 2024 as the economy shows clear signs of cooling down, ING says. So they're the economists there at ING, uh, the financial group. And we'll see if that is the case. By the way, and I saw not long after that, in fact, I think it was right after that, um, there was the story from uh, the Fed chair, uh, Jerome Powell, that said, well, we don't, we haven't made any decisions on, raising or lowering interest rates just yet for 2024. But again, if ING is seeing, if they believe we're going to be in a deep recession, then that's basically what you do. They're trying to create that balance, as all Fed chairs do. Greenspan tried to do it. They all try and walk that fence and create some kind of magic. But I don't know what the target rate would be. You know, you're going to take it back down to zero. <laughs> Inevitably, you're going to have to raise it again. I mean, you know, it's just, it's insane. But I don't think they know what they're doing. Listening to Red Eye Radio. 
from the Uniden America Studios. And he is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. There's so much stuff that is just backing up that I want to make sure that we get to here in the show. <laughs> this happened a few days ago. There was a House Select Subcommittee on the Weaponization of the Federal Government holding a, uh, a, a hearing, and that's led by Jim Jordan, and they brought back uh, Matt Taibbi and Michael Schellenberger, who were part of the Twitter files, and uh, this uh, was a... Uh... Thank you, Mr. Chairman. It has been almost one year since the first bombshell Twitter files. Looking back now, and my questions are for Mr. Taibbi and Mr. Schellenberger, what was the most alarming thing that you came across during your review of internal Twitter documents? And I have a number of follow-up questions, so keep it short. Sure. Um, thank you for the question. Um, I think the most alarming thing that we, we saw was the regular stream, uh, organized stream of communication between uh, the FBI, uh, the Department of Homeland Security, and the largest tech companies in the country. Uh, they had an organized system for flagging content, uh, not occasionally, but in enormous numbers uh, involving spreadsheets of accounts that ran to the hundreds and thousands. Um, and this was shocking to us and uh, to the congressman's point. This isn't crazy conspiracy theory. We've already had four federal judges uh, rule that they believe this violate, this activity violates the First Amendment. Uh, this is quite serious. We didn't know whether it was against the law, but we certainly thought it was shocking uh, enough to be in the public interest. And that, for me, was the most serious thing. Yeah, for me, it was seeing the uh, so-called former FBI officials within Twitter uh, and working with a variety, and other groups, including this Aspen Institute, participate in an effort to so-called pre-bunk the Hunter Biden laptop before it was ever published in the New York Post and then to get it censored uh, by Twitter in violation of Twitter's own terms of service, whose internal staff had concluded that the New York Post tweet had not violated their terms of service, and they censored it anyway. Mr. Schellenberg, I want to ask you further that revolving door between the FBI and Twitter, and I also want to ask about those third-party, essentially government proxies. You referenced the Aspen Institute. Can you delve deeper into both of those questions, both of those topics? Sure. It was the former general counsel of the FBI, Jim Baker, and the former uh, deputy director of the FBI had both taken jobs at Twitter. There were so many FBI people uh, at uh, Twitter that they had their own internal group um, and their own little uh, crib sheet to describe the, the difference between the terms that they use at the FBI versus at Twitter. CIA um, had it as well. Yeah, CIA as well had their own little internal group. Um, and I'm sorry, what was the, the second question? The third-party proxies. Oh, yeah. Well, Aspen then the Aspen Institute, this was the weirdest thing. We discovered that Aspen Institute had created a workshop that it was attended by basically all of the major media, including as well as all the major social media platforms, to basically pre-bunk in advance the Hunter Biden laptop, even though it had not been, there was no evidence that 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 it, that, that it existed outside of the fact that the FBI knew that it, they had it because they got it in December 2019. So to have the Aspen Institute trying to persuade people not to cover the Hunter Biden laptop story in August and September of of uh, 2020 was quite uh, chilling and disturbing to see. 
Um, these content moderators at social media platforms like Twitter wield an enormous amount of power in terms of determining not only what Americans can say, but also what Americans can see. Do you believe, Mr. Taibbi and Mr. Schellenberg, that it's appropriate for unelected bureaucrats or these tech companies to collude to influence what Americans can say or read? Absolutely not. And, you know, I wanted to stress again that all this was happening secretively with the blessing of the Department of Homeland Security, with them sending uh, things to, uh, from this is from the EIP at Stanford to, uh, you know, to, to Twitter and Facebook saying, we repeat our recommendations that this account be suspended. We recommend labeling all instances of this article. We recommend that you flag as false this. All these demands being made secretly without any, any public review. My view is that we don't, uh, the government doesn't decide who can speak in the, in the town square. Why should the government be deciding who can speak on social media platforms? We the people should decide our own content as adults, legal content. It should not be decided by either government or big tech. And what's important to understand is those are two Democrats there. Yeah, right. I, I you know, because with, when, when it came about, when the whole Twitter files thing came about i didn't know what to expect i don't know that anybody really knew what to expect from it um because matt taibbi uh michael schellenberg barry weiss um you know even though we i think we knew they were liberal journalists and i I think that was the point the point was find people that you can trust i don't want to speak for elon musk but Find people that you can trust to do true journalism. Tell just tell us what you find. And I think for me, it wasn't necessarily surprising given the whole Russian hoax thing and how how all that played out, and how many people had to be of the same mindset, not just cooperatively working together to go after Trump, but they were all. At, at, at the leadership levels, they were all on board for it. They were all in. You know, Hillary Clinton didn't have to work to make people think that way. And so when they found what they found at Twitter, and it was basically that, you know, the FBI setting up shop, you know, as, as they point out here, the CIA, other agencies here, fully involved. In controlling narrative, in working with then Twitter and people at Twitter to shape the narrative and decide who's going to get to stay based on what they're promoting and who's not. And and then, of course, you look at the entire thing uh, with Hunter's laptop and how that played out. And that's something massive that the mainstream media still doesn't acknowledge you know when uh when you had uh zuckerberg say it on joe rogan's podcast well they came to us and told us you know and it was like whoa i remember having to i watched that on youtube so i had to rewind it and watch it a couple of times i was like did i hear did he just say what i think he said and then you see the entire fallout and how it all came together with the Twitter files. The mainstream media should be, that should be the story.
the Russian hoax. All of that should be the story. These are massive, massive, massive manipulations of of the the voter base and the mindset of the voter base. And yet they were promoting the fear that the Russians spent, what was it, $100,000 on ads during the political season? You know, they want to make it because that was part of the narrative, too. That was, you know, hey, blame it on the Russians. And still you have millions of people that believe it was because of the Russians. That's why Trump won in 2016. And no one wants to pay attention to the facts about how all this stuff was orchestrated, including what was going on at social media, including Twitter. I think what bothers me, and, and I and I think we, we saw the beginning of it with uh, Lois Lerner and the IRS. Yeah. You know, and you and I asked the question back then, is it a conspiracy or is it a culture? And when you see what what has happened in the bureaucracy uh, of the, the the federal government, where it has, in essence, in my humble opinion, become a government within a government, because yeah. when you look at what happened in October of 2020, if you looked at what was going on in the, you know, in the FBI during the Trump administration, it wasn't what the administration called for. Right. This was liberals inside the government basically making unconstitutional decisions, intimidating social media uh, intimidating the people there going and colluding with the media. And so you had a government within the government that was not elected. Yeah. That was, that was dictating unconstitutional behavior. Right. On a consistent basis over and over and over and over again. Based, it, some of it may have turned into a conspiracy, but the fact is, We've always said that what is worse is a culture because yeah. as a culture it means, well, then you just act independently and do whatever you wish to do because the narrative is Trump needs to go no matter what. And you can fill Trump's name in with any other Republican because yep. if they did it to Trump, they'll do it to anybody. Oh, yeah. And yeah. but when you saw it, when you saw the 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 massive and, and this the massive culture inside the government to create in my opinion, a government within a government that had no authority to do so commit clearly as uh, uh, Taibbi brought up, you know, this isn't conspiracy as the Democrats still call it. You have had four federal judges come out and say, this is unconstitutional. What was yep. going on? Yep. And they still continue to call it a conspiracy. This is something that we have seen over the last couple of years that would have horrified the civil libertarians in the Democratic Party oh, yeah. in the 70s and 80s and the 90s. Right. They would have gone crazy, and they're all silent on it. Well, and this is also, you know, this is a journalist's dream if you're a true journalist. You want to find that corruption in the government. You want to expose it. And at its most powerful levels where when they apply that power in the way that they did, the whole Twitter's, uh, t Twitter files thing was really, in my mind, an extension of the Russian hoax because it was that, that, again, that same culture working at the same levels of government in action in order to bring one guy down, to bring one side down. And they did this repeatedly.
and then told the world basically that it was the other side using the Russians and disinformation. Still to this day, yep. well, it's disinformation, disinformation. They own the disinformation forever, and there's proof of it. Oh, did you see the Nate Silver tweet the other day mm. about the people that are keep promoting the disinformation are the people that are creating the disinformation? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, he's right on that. I'll, I didn't I'll, see that I'll have tweet, to find the yeah. I'll have to find the tweet yeah. from him, right? Because I I saved it and I I got to I got to find because yeah, but it was I fascinating. Mean, he's absolutely right. I mean, it's something that that we pointed out repeatedly. Um, but that's what also the GOP has to point out. Look, on the economy, on the broken border, on inflation, and everything else, um, those are the points you're going to have to hit on inflation. It's all about the economy with everybody. You know, people are, the families are underwater, and this is what they want to hear. They want to hear that relief is coming. And so they're, you know, that message has to be delivered. But the two-tier justice system also has to be the focus. And it's as we said, and they pointed out, um, you know, uh, in a number of articles uh, in recent days that it's all about the indictments, you know, in terms of uh, Trump and, and, and where he is right now. But for a lot of people, that is their number one issue. That is the, if we don't stop it now, we never will. I have it here. Mm. Uh, what's revealing from Nate Silver is that few in the misinformation industrial complex call out obvious misinformation when it is left-leaning, the term misinformation nearly always signif- significant, <laughs> Sign- significantly can, no, signifies, excuse no. me, All right. always signifies. I don't know what happened to me there. Mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, Joe Biden syndrome. Mm. Uh, signifies conservative arguments which may or may not be actual misinformation. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's coming from Nate Silver. Yeah. He's not on the right. Nope. In any way, nope, or manner. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Economy to slow in 2024. What are the specifics of uh, that? We'll get to that. We'll, we'll tell you about the father who sues a school district for refusing to display the straight pride flag alongside uh, the progressive pride flag. Oh. Hmm. Be interesting. Yeah. And Congress taking on the EV uh, mandate. They want everybody on record now as this thing is falling apart. Well, and that's, you know, I mean, that's where it needs to be because uh, the fact is, is that those mandates, as they get closer and closer, and you have the the market shifting where the OEMs right now are drowning, they're just looking at it saying, we can't keep doing this. We can't keep doing this. And we can't lose money over and over again. And there's no political will to throw any more money at it right now. You just don't have the makeup on Capitol Hill, number one. And number two, I you, I just don't think you would have it. 
Um, even if the Democrats had had power right now, it's a slow roll on spending. Not that it will remain that way, but you can't spend more money on that at the moment. This is Red Eye Radio on West. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show from the Uniden America Studios. This is is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the world, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hurley, and I'm Gary McNamara. Well, I didn't think it would be starting 11 months out, but as we started off the, the show, Eric, we said, okay, uh, the media is taking the polls seriously now. They believe, the, this is the media, the mainstream media, they believe that Trump has a legitimate lead over Biden. That's why all the doom and gloom, right? as you've seen, that's and the doom and gloom is the attacks that democracy is going to end, the world's going to end with uh, with uh, with climate change. That uh, on the economy, Americans are just stupid and just can't see the fact that things are great. Now we take it even a step further. The Atlantic and Lowry's column, um, she blames you for inflation. It's your fault. Yeah, listen, you people, with all your spending and. Yeah, the headline is, inflation is your fault. Yeah. <laughs> if people are so mad about high prices, why do they keep buying? You need to stop buying stuff. It's Listen, your fault. Inflation is your fault, America. You know, you need to honestly <laughs> look into all of this intermittent fasting thing. It, it's a misnomer that you need to eat every day. You don't need to be feeding your kids every day. Look what you've done, America. I hope you're proud. Way to go. <laughs> People approach me. People that I know that are doing it. It's like, so, you know, the key is intermittent fasting. So what do you think? Would you do it? No. Why not? I don't like being hungry. I I go long periods without eating, and it's it's a problem. If I get into like a project on the weekend, it's especially a problem on the weekend because every project takes me a long time. But it's not really by design. I'm not, I'm not doing it to lose weight. I just lose track yeah. of time. Yeah, I. If I'm hungry, I eat. Yeah. <laughs> I don't overeat, but if I'm hungry, right. I eat. I yeah. don't, you know, it's just, but, but, uh, that's for, but, uh, th- this is uh, Andy Lowry's column, basically blaming you. Yeah. Yeah. People hate inflation, just not enough to spend less. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Americans about to change, but Americans have nobody to blame but themselves. It's your fault as if inflation just automatically happens because of, Consumer spending and no other variables involved in it at all. Uh huh. Right. So it couldn't be the spending at all. It's not the government's problem. 
It's your problem. Now, I will say this. For those who have voted for the people who have promised for a long time to spend and spend and spend and spend, uh, yeah, you voted for that. That was a choice you made. All Just, the problems well, we have right let's now. Let's be specific. Are a to spend and borrow. Yes. To spend well, and borrow and, and, and yeah. And which not, is which is getting to the point of most yeah. spending these days. <laughs> and not get angry at the Fed printing money to buy our own debt over the last decade yeah. that we just went crazy about. But I I don't believe when we've talked about that, I don't believe I've ever got a response from anyone on that. Well and Well, maybe Steve Byrne, the comedian. Mm. Because he would he would hit the Fed once in a while, <laughs> and you know those are look we've said it. This is a choice. All these are choices that we made as a nation. Yes, and to that extent, we can change it if we choose to change it. But trying to make the point that it's your fault because you won't stop spending. Yeah, if you just cut your spending. Now, I will say this. At least she's been intellectually honest in some parts of it and says how it started. Mm-hmm. Talked about the $1.8 trillion to households in the form of generous unemployment insurance benefits, amped up child tax credits, stimulus checks, and delayed or forgiven student loan payments. Mm-hmm. Less supply, more demand was a recipe for high cost. Yeah. Duh! Right. But it's not people just spending now. It was started by... Again, it was started by the government giving out, borrowing to give people free money. And also the Fed policy over the last 10 years of printing money to buy their own debt. Uh, during the break, another story came about and another analyst saying the Fed will need to cut interest rates five times next year and we won't see inflation ever get to 2%. Just one analyst, but we won't see 2% inflation again. So trying to target 2% inflation, it ain't going to happen. Look, if you see the Fed cutting rates, well, you're going to see a lot of things happen before the Fed starts cutting rates. But it will be layoffs. There will be pretty large amounts of, of layoffs and people uh, unemployed. You're, you're, that's the design, by the way, of raising interest rates. That's the plan. After spending and spending and spending and adding to our national debt the way that we have, there was no way it wasn't going to get to this point. And now you get into a recession. My question would be, all right, how long does it last? How long does it go? How deep could it be? Because there is going to be that crossing of the um, of those numbers, of those dynamics, where inflation is still, you know, prices are still high and people, more people are out of work. And my question would be, all right, is this why these analysts are saying the Fed needs to act or is they, they're saying the Fed will act five or six times based on which analyst you're listening to. But that's just come in, out in the last in couple of days. Yep. Which, yeah, which, this, and, and, and this, this last one from, uh, I think it's from yesterday. Right. And, and, 
at the same time that they're yeah. talking. J.P. Morgan predicts a grim outlook for the stock market last year, economy to slow mm-hmm. in 2021, where you've got economists see 50% recession odds with a growth rate of only 1% between the fourth quarter now and the fourth quarter of next year. Mm-hmm. That's anemic growth. So it's not a positive when they're saying, okay, no. we're taking prices down. Now they're fearing a recession. And and that seems to be the consensus now. I mean, I don't know. There was one analyst about this time last week that was that was trying to paint the scenario of how the Fed could bring in a soft landing, as they call it, and try and tame a recession. I don't know. I think the Fed would love to do it and keep Biden out of recession territory, at least until November 5th of next year. But I think that it's already in motion because you're seeing, again, individual debt at an all-time high. People using credit cards, which is how they keep spending. But once we get out of Christmas season and it's time to pay up on those debts, individuals are going to be further underwater. January and February are going to be painful, and the cutting is going to have to happen. And it's a lot just like the national debt. At some point, when you can't keep up with the interest payments on your debt, then that's when things start to topple. And you'll see companies right now, you're seeing a number of companies that said, well, our earnings weren't what we thought they were going to be. Restaurant companies, um, you saw Spotify laying off 17% of its workforce after laying off 6% in January this year. But you'll see more of that. You'll see more of the drawing down, and and those companies will have to create efficiencies, whether they're using automation or AI or whatever to create those efficiencies or asking whoever is still left at the uh at, at the employer's office to to work harder, uh, a combination of the of all the above likely is, is going to happen. Is the fear that inflation is not going to get down to two percent? And and by the way, it's a rhetorical question. <laughs> is uh, is the fear that uh, that you can't get to two percent inflation based on the fact that uh, you know you look. You look over the next couple of years. They're the, again the economists looking at w- you know one percent growth between now and next year. That means a heck of a lot less going into the treasury yeah. from taxpayers. Right. So you're going to have that at the same time. You've got uh, one trillion dollars in interest being paid on the debt from end of October of last year to end of October of this year. I haven't seen the new November numbers yet. I'll look for those. But you have a trillion dollars in interest payments on the debt right. each and every year. Well, you've if if you have a slowdown, you're going to increase that deficit for next year. You may bring down uh the interest rate a couple of times, but the interest rate's still going to be much greater than it was when we were keeping interest rates close to zero, which they're not going to put interest rates close to zero. That's not going to happen in the next 
in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. So is that the fear that we're in that cycle where you cannot stop the inflation because you cannot stop the debt because of a number of reasons? Number one, you can't stop the debt because we won't stop spending. Number two, the interest on the debt is so great. And number three, less money is going in to the Treasury because of a recession or extremely low anemic growth where you stifle tax well, receipts. You could, I mean, you know, I mean, that, that, that could be the case. And here, here are the quotes from David Roche, and he's an analyst and uh, veteran investor, as he's described by CNBC. And he made the uh, comment on CNBC. Um, and he said, um, unless there were big external shocks to U.S. inflation in the form of energy or food, it was almost certain that the Fed was done raising rates, according to this, again, one investor, David Roche, which also means that the next rate move will be down. He says, I will stick to 3%, which I think is already reflected in many asset prices. I don't think we're going to push inflation down to 2% anymore. It's too embedded in the economy by all sorts of things. So, yeah, that could be the case that, you know, we're just at this point that, I hate these words, this is going to be the new normal. And 2% has always been the target on inflation when you're trying to bring it down. And my question would be, is the Fed going to be happy with 3%? Are they going to be happy here? And are they trying to, again, They do they believe they can? Well, the answer is yes. They all believe, as Fed chairs over the years, that they can pull out their magic wand and make things happen. But what's going on with the consumer is the number one question. And right now, most Americans and middle the, the middle class is underwater and with their debt stacking up. I don't know what you do without expanding the economy in a big way. I don't know how you change that. 86690 red eye. We'll be right back with more red eye radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, U.S. Manufacturing registered its 13th straight month of contraction uh, in uh, November. And this is where you have the uh, economists see a 50% now chance of a recession next year. Your J.P. Morgan come out yesterday and uh, say the sizable rally in the U.S. stock market over the past month is likely to fizzle out by the end of next year amid a growing uh, number of economic headwinds, according to J.P. Morgan Chase. The chief uh, global equity strategist at J.P. Morgan said in a recent analyst note that the slowing economic growth, the rapid depletion of household savings, and the ongoing geopolitical turmoil could trigger a steep decline 
in the S&P 500 over the course of, uh, of, uh, of 2020 or 2024. Absent rapid Fed easing, we expect a more challenging macro backdrop for stocks next year with softening consumer trends at a time when investor positioning and sentiment have mostly reversed. Mm. They wrote in the note, uh, they believe that the S&P 500 could plummet 8% over the course of 2024. Mm. So, Yeah. Um, you know, look, rapid Fed easing. So if, you know, these analysts are, are right and let's say the Fed does uh, start to lower interest rates, well, it's not going to happen overnight. They're not going to go two points per. <laughs> They're not going to jolt it to where people look at it, the average consumer, if they're borrowing money uh, for a home. Uh, you know, this is what we look at primarily because so many uh, other expenses and, and purchasing comes along with buying a home, even if it's you're moving into a new home and you from another home, uh, from another house. Uh, you often buy new appliances and things like that. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's not going to turn it around very quickly. And that I, I don't think that the Fed has been very serious about inflation. And I don't think they would be very serious about the easing. I you, You're just going to have to, it's likely going to be a quarter of a point, maybe a half a point here and there, if it does happen, but it will happen after or during a recession, as a recession sits in, and people are going to be worried about other things. There's not going to be that kind of, you know, on the on the consumer level, going out because you've already maxed out credit cards before they started lowering rates, and you're underwater. So those large purchases still have to wait. I just don't see the math that gets you there and turning an economy around very quickly. They're delusional when 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 they do things like this. They don't they don't see it because they don't experience this themselves. This isn't something that affects them like it affects everybody else. Like most Americans are dealing with it, and so it's it's mostly a political play. And imagine that they lowered the rates six times in twenty four, and then Trump wins. And gets the benefit of those rates being lowered, and the economy starts roaring back in his first year back in twenty five. Uh, not something I believe Jerome Powell would like to happen. Yeah, I just I I don't know I don't know how they do spending over the next five years. I don't either. I just I that, really don't. that's that's the one that I sit back and I say that's the one thing that doesn't go away because the debt now is so much of the of of the budget and the interest on the debt is so great and i don't believe we're going to see zero percent rates anymore no, we're not so you're in a situation where the interest on the debt is so great yeah uh if you're not going to buy your own debt right and pay you know pay no interest on it because you're printing money and the fed's lowering the interest rate to zero unless you go through that again which I don't believe is coming for the next few well, years. And, and you don't have the I, same I, dynamic yeah. out of the recession that we saw in the in the in the seventies and early eighties. You know, the dynamic of, of people we talked about this the other day, people spending on charge cards and it was kind of new 
to a generation, department store cards and everything else. Malls were, you know, booming and everything else. You're not going to have all those things in, in, in play the way you have in the past and coming out of such high inflation. Call and join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. A Colorado father is suing the state's largest school district, claiming staff refused to let him display a straight pride flag alongside the progress ply, or, uh, pride flags. On view throughout his children's Denver school, Nathan Feldman argues his children are being barred from exercising their freedom of speech in a case of viewpoint discrimination. Hmm. Feldman's lawyer, Michael Yoder, blamed equity policies like uh, Denver's for the overt sexualization of content in elementary schools nationwide. Progress pride flags and gender identity books geared towards young children encourage students to ask about them and foster one-sided conversations about inappropriate topics in the classroom, he said. Nathan Feldman allegedly asked to put a straight pride flag alongside the progress pride flags displayed at his children's school. Uh, in his lawsuit, he claims the school violated both the First Amendment and the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. If we had more parents like Feldman, then these policies would never have been rolled out in the first place, and they'd be teaching kids about math and science, Yoder said. They wouldn't be talking about sexual orientation and homosexuality and having uh this uh flamboyant breeding ground for inappropriate content the conflict began last year october of 2022 when feldman visited stevens school where his twin children were second grade students he noticed dozens of pride flags displayed in classrooms and hallways according to the suit the progress pride flag is a redesigned version of the rainbow flag uh, with additional stripes to specifically honor transgender individuals and people of color. Feldman told his children's teacher the flags were not inclusive of all of Stevens School students and only represented one viewpoint on the topic of sex. The suit claims he asked if he could place an identically sized flag representing his children's views on the same topic along with existing flags and allegedly offered an example of a straight pride flag. Yeah. The district doesn't allow for other flags, the principal allegedly told Feldman. Feldman filed the suit in November in U.S. District Court of uh, Colorado. Um 
Denver Public Schools, the Board of Education, uh, Stevens Schools, and several school administrators and other staff are listed as defendants. A spokesperson for the Denver Public Schools said they had not yet been served with the uh, the lawsuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be interesting. I'm trying to figure out legally where he's wrong. I I don't know. I don't know where he's wrong on on the constitutional issues there at all. Because they're picking and choosing. Yes. Who is represented by the flags? Are they not? That's what they're doing. This represents these individuals in these groups. But you're not allowing for full representation. Why? It seems clearly unconstitutional. Yeah. If you're going to have that policy, yes. if you're going to have it, you either have no flags or you have, in terms of flags that represent people, state flag, American flag, those belong. Even a flag with the, um, uh, the team mascot on it from that school, those belong. They represent the school, the state represents the entire state without discriminating, and the U.S., the entire nation for the U.S. flag. In this case, the flags are representing people. Yes. And it's meant to promote and represent people, including individuals that attend that school and or teach and or work at that school. And in order to create a pro argument for what the flags represent, right? Of excuse me, a a uh, pro discussion on what the flags represent, right? Yeah, so they will not allow the representation of the group of straight students, which is or individuals that work there. Which is, if it's the same as the population, the overwhelming majority of people that attend that school or work at that school. So you're not allowing that. That's interesting. I wonder how many people would pull their kids out of public school if they could afford to do it. I Actually, I saw something that was interesting, and I, I didn't get all the numbers well, they didn't present all the numbers in the story, but talking about what we suspected was going on during COVID. And a number of, of families saying that, basically telling the school district that we're homeschooling now. I don't know to what extent that carried on post-COVID. It's tough to do. Yeah. No, you have to, it's a full-time job. Yeah. And with inflation, it's, now doubly tough to do yeah yeah no you you have to have uh at least one parent dedicated to that i mean it it would really the best situation would be to have both parents kind of tag teaming it but you have to go through 
the curriculum and everything else. There are state requirements, depending on the state, that have to be fulfilled. It's not easy. But is it worth it for a lot of families? I think the growing num- there's a growing number. And I think that, in fact, COVID, and we talked about it then, a situation like that was, was going to serve as an eye-opener for parents who had never considered homeschooling because they were literally sitting right there when the virtual learning came about. They were sitting in their kids' classrooms. And they were learning on the fly as to what's going on, the types of discussions uh, that were going on in their kids' classes. Well, this appears to be, again, elementary school because the one, uh, his one child was in second grade. Yeah. And this is, again, the perversion right. of the left in this country and the Democratic Party wanting to, at very young ages, get kids indoctrinated into the way that the adults think. Right. Right. Really, because the, the force of this is the radical transgender movement. Right. That you can be whatever you want. Right. And if you are a boy but feel like a girl, you're really a girl. Right. We all know where it's going. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said it before, you know, even a straight pride flag, whatever. It's all stupid. Mm-hmm. I think the dumbest thing we do as a population is talk about pride for what you are that you have no control of whatsoever. And not pride for things you accomplish. Things you accomplish, right. If you accomplish something, if you accomplish something in business, you're greedy. Mm -hmm. Right. And now, if you accomplish going to, uh, you know, uh, to whatever university, well, first of all, (laughs) there's a lot of second guessing there. But that used to be, well, I'm I'm proud that my daughter, my son, finished dental school, finished medical school. Now, oh, you're privileged. We see. Yeah. <laughs> it's it, it's really become insane. It has. And yep. and those are the you know, those are the measurements as to what Others are wanting to teach your children, expose your children to. Remember back in the day when it would come around and usually it was, you know, as you get into, especially uh, for us, it was middle school, high school. Sex ed. Biology, before they called it sex ed. It was biology. It was about, okay, well, we need to learn about the function of all the parts of our body. And we need parents to sign off on this. You would have to take a permission slip home. I don't know what happened with the parents that said no. (laughs) But the point was, is that they were very cautious about what they were going to teach children in schools. And now they're quite the opposite. Parents have no place in the kid's classroom. I I do remember what happened. You didn't have to sit in the class. Hmm. I remember it was eighth grade, Mr. Alimo's science class. That's where mm-hmm. we got sex education. Mm-hmm. And we giggled a little bit when he talked about the body parts, but that mm-hmm. was really it. Right. Because you know, we were, you know, uh, 
I was Beavis and my other buddy in the class was Butthead. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. what other reaction were you going to get mm-hmm. if you start talking about body parts in eighth grade? But <laughs> other than that, you actually did pay attention because you wanted to le- you wanted to learn. Yeah, we want to learn. Yeah, but it was basically sex education was basically a biology class. Yeah, that's what it was. But if you wanted to, if you didn't want to, if I don't think I don't remember, I don't remember any kid not being in that class. Yeah, that's why I don't remember what they did. To, yeah, you know, with the you, kids. but you could if you. I remember that you could if you didn't. If your parents wouldn't sign off, you would not be in that class. You'd sit in the study hall. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it wasn't viewed as a. It wasn't even a big deal. You know, back then, and it for was, us what? as students, it wasn't a big deal. But it was a process in that. Okay, we're gonna be talking about things. We need you to take this home. Make sure your parents are okay with it. Yeah, but now they're teaching kids things that are un- that are scientifically untrue, and telling uh, the world that the parents have no place in that classroom. Right. Yeah. The hell they don't. And teaching sexualized content to five, six, and seven year olds. Right. Without just, you being present, I, it's just that's right. perverted all day, I, every I day. There's no way around that. I know. For us, it didn't start until. Late in middle school, it was seventh, eighth grade, yeah, mm-hmm. freshman year. Mm-hmm. For me, I didn't learn sex ed. I was probably thirty-five. Yeah, I still don't know about it. Yeah, I do still, you know, try. Right. And... Yeah. Somebody said that isn't sex education. It's just that I won't ever understand women. Ah, uh, that's what could I mean. be. That's yeah, gender education, <laughs> which is totally new now. <laughs> don't sign up for that class now. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> 866 red eye Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio, he is Eric Harley, and uh, I'm Gary McNamara. Well, the uh, House uh, going after the EV mandate this week. We'll get to some specifics on that and some back and forth going on in uh, in uh, Congress uh, uh, yesterday. Mike Johnson says Biden impeachment inquiry is a result of a Stonewall, stonewalled investigation. So we will get to uh, that. It seems as if. The uh, entire media, I saw uh, Mediate.com, which is the website that looks at, you know, what, you know, conservative media is doing or whatever. Mm. Uh, But uh, they looked at, um, oh, what was it? Uh, Oh, on the, um, on the, the, uh, the whole Hunter Biden thing with the checks being written. Mm. Oh, this just looks like it was a loan that was paid off. Yeah, right. It's not the loan. That's not the portion of it. It's like they're ignoring what it is. The money's coming from China. What's the source of the money? The source of the money's coming from China. What services is Hunter Biden producing in order to get that money to China, which then he gives to his father, whether it's a loan or not, doesn't matter. Right. And it's like they're just ignoring. Like I said, it's almost... As if somebody robs a bank mm-hmm. and they're saying, but he wasn't parked in a no parking zone. Right. We're not talking about that. Yeah. We're talking about the bank robbery. 
And it's well, like they won't. And it's like they just that we're just going to ignore what the actual serious allegation is here. And the goalposts have moved so far, so oh, yeah. many times. It went from there was nothing wrong. There's nothing done here. That's look, we've got uh, you know uh, uh, we've got uh, these top investigative and and intel former intel officials saying, oh, that looks like Russian interference. The president doesn't know anything about his son's business, too. Oh, that just looks like a loan, that money from China. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. From the Uniden America Studios, this is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, he is uh, Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Thank you for being here. Made it to a Tuesday. Now, House Republicans uh, will have a vote this week on legislation to block uh, President Biden's backdoor electric vehicle mandate, as they call it. Democrats, as according to the Wall Street Journal editorial page, Democrats are spinning the legislation as an attack on public health, innovation and free markets. <laughs> Got to be kidding me. The debate is a preview of what we can expect in the 2024 election campaign. This is really interesting, though, because the Environmental Protection Agency, quote, is not imposing an EV mandate, says a memo from Democrats on the Energy Committee opposing the GOP legislation. But the EPA in April proposed tailpipe emission standards for greenhouse gases that would effectively require that electric vehicles make up two-thirds of car sales in 2032. The only way for automakers to meet the emissions restrictions is by producing more EVs and fewer gas-powered cars. That's the lies that they want. It's a lie Yeah, that it's not a mandate. What they're saying is, we didn't come out and say there's a mandate. Yeah, you did. We're simply putting in rules and regulations that make it where you have to produce more electric vehicles in order to meet the standard. That's a mandate. Right. Why can't they just admit what they're doing? Because it doesn't work for them, and they know it. Politically, they know what's coming. The House bill would prohibit EPA from finalizing its proposed CO2 emission standards and bar any regulation that would mandate the use of any specific technology or result in limited availability of new motor vehicles based on the type of engine. This means the EPA could not put in a similar new mandate. It just doesn't take this one out because then they'd find some other reason. Right, exactly. Well, look, you know, the mileage standards, the cafe standards over the years, it was always going to build to this, but then in recent years it was just ramping up. There was no way to meet these standards and be compliant if you were an OEM if you're not making EVs. And they know this. 
Then the whole thing gets in the Democrat memo accuses Republicans of attacking the EPA's authority to protect Americans from dangerous air pollution. Yeah, right. But as they note, they go, these are greenhouse gases. This, is, this yeah. isn't particulate matter. Right. And under new studies that are out, unlike tailpipe pollutants such as sulfur dioxide and particulate matter, some studies suggest EVs may produce more fine particle matter, pollutants that lodge deep in the lungs because their battery weight increases the wear and tear from tires. Exactly. The EPA ignores the potential harm, but we've been talking about this for a long time. And actually, environmentalists have. Well, well wait for have brought it. it up. Yeah, wait for it. Wait for the, the new liberal move on, well, we can't do EVs anymore because it requires uh, so much wear and tear and so much emissions mm-hmm. from the tires. We're going to have to outlaw EVs, too. I guess everybody is going to be in public transportation. And then look at this here. American demand. This is from the Democrats. Mm. American demand for EVs is already outpacing supplies. Auto manufacturers are independently trending towards EVs Uh because of increasing popularity with consumers. (laughs) The Wall Street Journal writes. I mean, that's that's delusional. That's absolutely delusional from Democrats. Then why are lawmakers scaling back EV production plans? Why are thousands of auto dealers begging the administration to tap the brakes on the EPA regulations as EVs pile up on their lots? All I want to see from the Democrats is you to tell the truth of one issue that you endorse. Why do you have to continually lie about what you're attempting to push on the American public? Just own it. Just own it. We've been saying this for years. Own it. Come out and say it. We don't want you driving anywhere. Yeah. We don't want you in a car. Public transportation. We'll all live in communes. And for the folks that farm, sorry, you're going to have to find a way too. And they say your Democrats uh, say GOP legislation would stifle innovation. No, it wouldn't. But car manufacturers could continue to improve battery technologies. They merely wouldn't be forced to lose money mass-producing EVs for consumers who don't want them. When the private sector gets it right, we'll all know it. Why can't Democrats let producers meet the market demand for consumers? And this is what it comes down to, because liberals believe you're, you're stupid. You don't know what's good for the planet. You're killing. They're they're lying about all that. But this is the this is the position that they take in order to sell it. Look, you're just trying to get a cheap vehicle over here. You got to worry about the planet. This isn't all about you. By the way, you also cause inflation by using your credit cards and continuing to spend. The story we hit earlier. If you didn't. Hear it, you can listen to the podcast later. And buying that new car. Yeah, exactly. I want to play this as a little bit of Chip Roy uh, in a discussion uh, yesterday. The House Rules Committee holding a hearing to consider pending legislation. And the pending legislation is getting rid of the Biden mandate. But just a, a couple questions. Um, uh, first, uh, Mr. Wahlberg, the, the, do these sound correct to you roughly that um, currently we're seeing new car costs $50,000, which are nearly double where they were about 10 years ago. Car loan payment defaults are at a 30-year high. The average EV costs about $16,000 more than its internal combustion 
engine counterpart. Just yesterday, the Wall Street Journal published an article titled Why Repairing Your EV is So Expensive, a story about a dent on his Rivian electric pickup truck cost $22,000. It took two and a half months to fix. And sorry if that's repeating anything that was offered earlier. Um, the dealers right now have them piling up on lots because the American people aren't getting them. I understand that even if you are a supporter of all this, you say, well, that's why we need the infrastructure. We just put out $8 billion to go fund the infrastructure. It hasn't been deployed. Then to the extent that you can do it, to the extent that my friend from Kentucky is correct, you're basically the cost of doing that is the air conditioner for your home. Then you've got, you know, a story I was reading some people in Alaska talking about the extent to which they've got a, a battery-powered vehicle. It takes the entire charge of a Tesla to de-thaw the vehicle in the Arctic cold in Alaska. Then you've got the same situation in North Dakota, South Dakota, Montana, et cetera, where you've got people that are saying, look, I don't want to die in the freezing cold. And look, all of this is fine if it's choice. Right? This is the point. My friend from Kentucky, perfectly fine having a Tesla vehicle driving to Kentucky, can choose to stop and charge it wherever the gentleman chooses to charge, and hopefully not have the Secretary of Energy come in and push him aside uh, and push aside a mom with a baby and say, sorry, I got a photo op I need to do. But the issue here is not just saying all of the above approach, as my former boss, Governor Perry, talked about in Texas. The all of the above approach is that the market is driving it. And you say, let's put this out there. But now we're saying to people that by 2032, two-thirds of automobiles must be electric vehicles. That, that is an astounding disregard for the well-being of the American people. An absolutely unbelievable display of hubris by government leadership forcing people into poverty, forcing people to be unable to actually go about their lives, get jobs, be able to take care of their families with vehicles that are more expensive, more expensive to maintain, more expensive to maintain may not serve their function if they're in the freezing cold in North Dakota, may not serve their function in other capacities, putting aside all the side costs, putting aside the battery uh, materials, putting aside the slot, uh, child labor around the, the world that produces the materials for, for uh, not just solar panels, batteries, and so forth. I just wonder if the gentleman could expand on the extent to which this will be destructive of the American industry, but also in, in favor of China and some of our, our uh, uh, you know, uh, competitors and, and, and adversaries around the globe, but importantly, what this means to the average American family. I know you spoke about it before, but this is just it merits fixating on this. This is, the, the, this is not just something you just pass and go, oh, isn't this, isn't this nice? We've got a rule that the administration is trying to dictate through fiat from the executive branch without input uh, from Congress to just dictate all these automobiles. And guess what? The supply chains mean that starts now. If this rule goes into place, it's purposeful, and it happens now. We bankrupt families, and we give them the inability to have the automobiles they need to care for themselves and their families. I wonder if the gentleman could expand on that. Yeah, I'm just looking for a few things that you didn't cover. Yeah. Uh, that was an expansive list you put together there. And I think, you know, you, you, you hit on the key costs that, that will be brought in, not only for the original purchase price, when you figure how long it takes to get to a place where an EV will surpass what an internal combustion engine is for cost. It's about uh, 10 years and a, and a minimum of, of 28 to 50,000 miles. But I think when you're talking of the environment concerns as well, uh, about health concerns, right now, um, Michigan, not, not, not even putting in a place of what California has to 
care for and taking out uh, what's coming across from China in the air. Michigan, 8% of what we have to clean up in our air comes from China, who is ultimately going to benefit the most from having EVs. And what they're doing is producing more and more um, greenhouse gas, more coal-fired plants, to, to build up their energy capabilities for their manufacturing. So when you add all that cost to it, plus 500,000 tons of ore, the various types of ore that goes into a battery, it takes 500,000 tons. Think how much greenhouse gas, carbon and it, uh, uh, exhaust that comes out of all of that to build one battery. So... I agree with that, and, and Mr. Peters, I'll try to ask this, not like in a gotcha way. I'm just trying to figure out, you know, from California, and you know, uh, Governor Newsom, I think last year in, in that heat wave, you know, was quoted as saying, "We're we're not saying don't charge your your EVs. We're just saying, saying please don't charge them between 4 p.m. and 9 p.m." And I guess my my question is, is when that's what we're doing to the average family and worker, like, what do they do? What do they say? I mean, that's that's uh, my predominant concern here is that we would have to produce 50 percent more electricity. I'm told different studies, different reports. I get that. Um, Than we do right now if we converted all our cars to EVs. Right. And so it's some massive amount, which we're doing heavily by wind and solar, which has obviously significant reliability uh, concerns and impact concerns and impacts. We're not producing nuclear, which would be the most reliable uh, power that doesn't uh, generate CO2. Um, and so I'm just trying to figure out how on earth we can have a mandate that within eight years and the supply chain start now that we convert the whole world to two-thirds EVs and not see that that's going to destroy productivity in the American family and the hard worker. So I, I'm just curious the perspective on that, that, you know, we should be checking the administration on this. Well, thanks, Mr. Roy. I, you know, it is the... The, the rule is not a mandate. The rule is an emission standard and allows people to, if you can comply with the emission standard, you can, you can sell any car that complies with the emission standards or require you to buy an EV. I'll just say, too, one of the discussions here. Okay, and that was, again, that's <clears throat> from the administration. That was blasted by, back to the other guy, he goes, just like we did. Of course it's a mandate. It has to be it's, met. Right. These it are has rules to be met. And compliance. Right. You can only meet it by you can only meet it by producing electric vehicles. Yeah. Don't say it's not a mandate. It's like, well, no, if you can meet the standard, you can make whatever vehicle you, you want. Right. Well, the only ones that you can do to meet the emission requirements are electric vehicles. Right. So it's a de facto mandate. So right. stop it. Stop lying. And and they know this. Defend what you believe. Stop it that there, there's some other option out there, a vehicle that you could build well, besides me, EV to meet it. Tell you can't. me one OEM that has come up with a plan to meet and says we can produce a vehicle that meets the standard and it's not an EV. No one. Not one. Not one. Because they want to lose money because they want to be building cars nobody's buying? No. Because they know they have to comply, and the only way to comply is to build EVs that nobody wants. It's an emission standard that causes a mandate. Yep. Because it's a you got to meet the standard. It's a mandate. It's a rule. It's a mandate on emission standards, which creates a mandate for electric vehicles. Right. 
Don't be stupid. We can, tear, we can tear your argument apart. It's weak. Don't use it. For God's sake, if you believe in something, own it. Don't lie about it. The world is going to end. It's going to melt. Oceans are going to boil if you don't buy a Tesla. Right. What a great commercial that would be. Volcanoes blowing off. Yeah. You better buy one. Uh, Unless you want the world to burn. Oh, the, uh, the, uh, oh, it's not, it's not 2012. Well, it could Mm. be 2012. No, what's it? What's the other one? Uh, Day after tomorrow. Not the, okay, the day after tomorrow. Mm-hmm. There's the other one, remember, where the sun uh, remember, keeps getting hotter and hotter and hotter, mm-hmm. and the, mm-hmm. the atmosphere goes away and it just goes, <sighs> it's yeah. like a wall of fire just comes yeah. across. Right. Is they, that knowing? Knowing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Knowing. yeah. That's the Nicholas Cage, right. Yeah, he had yeah. that kind of thing. Right. <sighs> if you don't buy a Tesla and have the beautiful Tesla in, inside Everything. of it, yeah. and if you don't buy it and live this wonderful life, <sighs> Yeah, and <laughs> it's at, just at the end, disaster. At the end, hey, you smell something burning. <laughs> I mean, just go full on fear. Yeah, but don't lie about it. Well, they, why, they can build any car. That why they do Democrats to? have to lie? But you know, the the border is secure. Everybody knows that's a lie. Why are you lying about it? Right. Don't lie. Own it. Tell everybody. Yes, we want the border open. Right. Why can't Democrats proudly proclaim what they believe? Right. Because they know nobody's buying it. Nobody is buying it. And right now, there's no way around. This thing's coming to a screeching halt one way or the other. 866-90-RED-EYE. Brought to you by Hotshot Secret. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller. And I'm here to share a tip on speed and space management. When driving, you need to manage the space around your vehicle so that there's enough space to allow you to adjust when traffic conditions change. The space ahead of your vehicle is the most important and one of the easiest to monitor and adjust as needed. One rule of thumb is to allow at least one second for each 10 feet of vehicle length at speeds below 40 miles per hour. At greater speeds, add an additional second. It's impossible to keep other drivers from tailgating you, but there are some things you can do to make it safer such as increasing your following distance, avoiding quick lane changes, and slowing down. There are also several things you should do to ensure that there is plenty of space between the side of your vehicle and other vehicles. Don't hug the center line, avoid hugging the right side of the road, and avoid traveling alongside other vehicles in strong winds, especially crosswinds. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly. I'm Gary McNamara. Very quickly, the other witness... Uh, uh, countering uh, the administration's witness who said, well, it's not really a mandate. It's a emission standards. Yeah. Here we go. All right. When my colleague says this isn't a mandate, right. I'm not sure how you can say it's not a mandate when the only way, the only way you can meet this aggressive mandate or aggressive standard, EPA, 
is by not having anything except electric. But then assuming that you don't add all the other costs, the emission costs of producing the batteries, of mining the minerals, of transporting it, and then what do you do uh, after it doesn't work anymore and you've got to have another battery put in and the costs that go there as well. Yep. There you go. By the way, don't don't need to say standard. You can say emission mandate. It's, yep. a, it's a mandate. It's a mandate. Listening to Red Eye Radio from the Uniden America Studios, and he's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome and uh, good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. Listen where you want, when you want. If you can't listen live overnight on one of our great radio stations that carries us, and thank you so thank much you. for doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Turley uh, yesterday talking about. Uh, the Hunter Biden situation, the Hunter Joe Biden situation here. I want to make sure we just don't say Hunter because really the target in all this from Republicans is Joe Biden. Yep. And and so uh, uh, here we go. This is Turley yesterday talking about the fact that they've that uh, the Republicans are going to have a uh, impeachment. Uh, well, going to have a vote for an impeachment inquiry. Well, I think that vote is long overdue. When I testified in the first Biden impeachment hearing, I said that there was ample evidence uh, to justify an impeachment inquiry and that a formal vote should be held. I can't imagine how anyone would look at this evidence and not believe that a formal inquiry should begin. There's been a litany of lies that have come out of the Biden family in the White House. The president denied knowing about any of these business arrangements. Even Hunter said that wasn't true. Uh, We now know he called in numerous times talk with clients. He had meetings, photographs with these clients. And now we see joint accounts where money is moving to Joe Biden. We even have Joe Biden's house being listed for some of these payments by Hunter Biden. It's it's rather daunting to imagine what you need, uh, according to the Democrats. So I think the moment of truth has arrived. Democrats have either got to show that they stand against corruption and approve an inquiry, or they have to t- take ownership of this, because influence peddling is the favorite form of corruption in Washington, but none, none of us have seen the likes of this. Yeah. So, I'm- uh, and so as we have uh, have seen, we we talked about the response from Democrats, which is it's just a loan. There's no big deal. Not uh-huh. a loan. I want to go to Mediate here. Here's what they wrote here. Okay, that uh, just to hear, see the headline. Now I, you rarely see attacks on Jonathan Turley from the Democrats. Yeah, they're right. coming now. Yeah, I believe it's yeah. like. Everything they know he's getting too close. Uh, right. Fox News, uh, Fox News. Jonathan Turley hypes Hunter Biden's car payment uh-huh. as evidence of unprecedented corruption. None of us has seen the likes of of uh, this. Fox News contributor and legal commentator Jonathan Turley hyped the new finding by House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer on Monday, even though the allegations attached to the new information were debunked shortly after he made them. Debunked where? Where were yeah. they debunked? Right. Comer released documents showing that President Joe Biden had received payments from a company operated by his son, Hunter Biden. The finding initially seemed damning, 
considering the elder Biden's claim that he had never talked business with his family. But as a number of journalists quickly pointed out on X, it appears that Hunter Biden was simply paying his father back uh, for temporarily covering his truck payments with three installments of $1,380 rather than services rendered as part of an influence peddling scandal. Uh Well, but why? What was Hunter selling to get the money from the Chinese? How did he earn and, the money? Where did the money come from? And this does not stand alone. They're making it. They're making it seem media as if this is a standalone. No, this is showing the continuation of a pattern, right? Of the president enriching himself <laughs> and his family, and Hunter Biden enriching himself and his family in what the media now says was simply uh, the appearance of influence peddling Uh that Joe Biden is completely innocent. His entire family was using him. This is is where the Democrats have fallen back to now. Understand this. Mm -hmm. Joe Biden's completely innocent. He did nothing wrong. Right. Hunter and the entire family was involved in this because they all received money. Right. They had a question where the money was coming from. Right. They were all involved in faking that Joe Biden was taking bribes. Yeah. That's basically what the Democrats' fallback position is. The entire Biden family is corrupt except Joe Biden. Yep. It's, again, the goalpost is now completely out of the stadium. It's moved so far. And the left knows the GOP is closing in. I've been saying for a long time, the thing inside the Beltway that was different about this is that I'm convinced that the liberal media, the any of the surrogates for, for Biden, including uh, long-serving Democrats on Capitol Hill and others, and, of course, inside the White House, They didn't know what the GOP was going to find. They didn't know what the GOP had. That's why the goalpost keeps moving. That's why the answers keep changing. That's why they keep evolving. They had no idea. So deny, deny, deny until you can't deny, and then you just start excusing it away. It's just a loan. Well, nothing, but by the way, media says it was debunked. Nothing was debunked in there. Nothing. No. They said three these at least three money transfers, and right. I don't know if that's the final amount or not, mm-hmm. but these three monthly transfers went to to uh, to Joe Biden, not from a personal account, but came from the, the business account of Hunter Biden, which makes it a business transaction if it comes from a business account, and that money came directly from China. None of that was debunked. Right. Nowhere did they say, and here was the pay for play that the president... Uh, you know, did for getting that money. Mm-hmm. Nowhere was nothing was debunked, and just to show you how Mediate, who is supposed to be a fact checker, <laughs> gets their facts completely wrong. Mm-hmm. I think it was Isaac Shore there. Thank you for messing up and making it so easy for us here on Red Eye Radio to debunk you. Yeah, yeah, debunked. What do you mean debunked? You mean the excuse that liberals give? Over and over again. Yeah, it was Isaac Shore who wrote the column. Mm-hmm. It's like, you got it completely wrong. There was nothing, nothing at all was debunked. Nothing. 
No. Except the only one who was debunked was Isaac Shore, who wrote the column. Right. By us. Yeah, exactly. Because nothing was debunked. What was debunked? But look how they're, look at how lame the approach is. I know. It's really weak. It's just, ah, there's, you can't prove it. Ah, there's nothing. Ah, it's just a loan. Yeah, if that was Donald Trump Jr. paying back a loan, a so-called loan to his dad because his dad stepped in and made his truck payments. That's as weak as it gets. Oh, my God. I can, it, and, and it if, came if this from happened, China. If this happened in New York under James. Oh, yeah. No, they'd already be in prison. <laughs> my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> they'd all be in prison. Even his youngest son would be in prison for no reason. But this is the weak approach. They've got nothing and they know. So what do you do? You just deny, deny, deny until it falls. And then, well, we can't believe he did that. My question is, why? Of all the Democrats, why do you feel the need to step out in front of something for a Joe Biden? Because you don't have anything else. Well, and let me put, oh, here's a question. Do they all jump on this now defense? And it, it seems like because Newsom performed so horribly, <laughs> do they finally realize <laughs> that, that Joe's going to be the guy? That Joe is, <laughs> is Joe is the guy. Well, and so they have to, they've got to, you know, wrap their arms around him no matter yeah. how bad it gets because and defend him at every turn. there's nothing else out there. Well, and 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 so the answer, one one answer could possibly be to my rhetorical question is that they themselves understand, just like any long-serving Democrat on Capitol Hill, that when this all comes down, those in the liberal media are also going to be complicit in, in over the years – Everybody knows inside the Beltway that this goes back to when he was vice president. There were a lot of concerns about his behavior and how he handled things. And we all know he wasn't the nominee in 2016 for a reason, as an outgoing VP. So then you look at it and say, well, look, we've been throwing out, you know, defense after defense after defense after defense. You can't give it up because you're fully vested in this whole thing yourself. And that's why you can't turn around because there are, there are again, long-serving Democrats on Capitol Hill um, that know of the concerns that have been there for a long time since he was VP about his behavior. And you can't turn away now because it's all going to fall. If they find the evidence, and this is, by the way, pretty damning, money going to Joe. You've seen it. You've seen it from his brother. Now you've seen it from Hunter. What else do you need? And we see where the money is coming from. And exactly. then, we, then we ask, because the, that's the question, you know, they're, yep. as, as they're stating, well, you've, you've got nothing. Uh, you've got nothing on Joe yet. Well, we've got him in all the lies and we have money going directly to him. Right. That's a pretty so, big yeah. deal. In, well, influence peddling, in, as we have said, whether it's legal or illegal, is still viewed as corruption, whether right. it's bribery or not. But, again, I think the fallback position, and I think a re- some Republican has to articulate this to their face, the Democrats' fallback position is that 
Everyone in the Hunter Biden, excuse me, everyone in the Biden family is corrupt. The brother's corrupt. Mm. Hunter's corrupt. Right. Any of the people who received money through the number of of uh, of uh, uh, fake LLCs mm-hmm. uh, and bank accounts to deliver the money to the Biden family. They all knew what was going on. They're all corrupt, and they were selling foreign actors that Biden would take, would do, you know, would commit bribery, uh, you know, for them. Would do a right. pay per play, pay per pay for play for them, mm-hmm. and they were all lying about Joe. Right. That the entire family is corrupt except Joe, who knew none of this was going on. Right. He was just sort of giving out loans, and everybody was just paying the loans back from foreign sources. Right. Everybody, that's why they can't win this. That's why the public, when the public looks at this, they go, no. No, because normal people don't set up 20 LLCs and a number of bank accounts the way that this has done. And they, they tried everything. They tried, well, Trump was in, Trump did business around the world. Trump's family was in business. Why can't hunters? Well, tell us what the business is, right. which is what the bank examiner asked. Exactly. Well, what business are you in? Right. What are you doing? What are you selling? What's this all for? Does it make sense? What have you been doing? Wow. Yeah, not good. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. Uh, he is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. So, yeah, you. this has been a day, last couple of days, where we're looking at the defense uh, from the Democrats on a variety of issues. Yeah. And, and we do that to point out uh, the fact of how scared they are and how, how weak the argument is. Yeah. And when you're right. panicking, you make weak arguments right. or you make incomplete arguments or you outright lie and you can tear it to shreds, as we have just uh, done on a variety of different uh, issues there from sure. uh, from from EVs to the uh, the media running cover for Hunter and Joe Biden because remember it's about Joe Biden it's not about Hunter nope as we've always stated and the closer they get to Joe and now I mean you see it you've seen it money moving from James to Joe you see money moving from Hunter to Joe and there's no way around it and that's why the liberal media is scrambling. They really don't have a defense. And and really the whole thing of the loan, which they've embraced, is in the, the, the scheme of influence peddling doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether it was a loan between the two people. It's where the money comes from yep. and what Hunter was selling these foreign adversaries in order to get them to give him money. Right. What was the service that he was selling? Nothing was debunked as media tried to make or Isaac Shore from media I tried to do yesterday on what Jonathan Turley said. Right. And you take everything together on it and that's what you're looking for. You're looking for the pattern of corruption, the pattern of influence peddling. You don't need Biden to come out and say, oh yes, right. 
I promise to do that for them Mm -hmm. in order not to open up more of an investigation or in this case, an impeachment inquiry, as as uh, as uh, Turley said, he goes, it's so obvious that this is something that should be open for an impeachment inquiry that if you say no, then what is your standard? Right. Yeah. Remember, this is a standard where the Democrats are going after Trump for allegedly committing fraud, not on a signed document where he pledged to tell the truth under penalty of perjury, but estimates where he actually put in a disclaimer, these are not necessarily accurate. Right. And there is no victim and no bank that's come forward to say he committed fraud. Understand the dynamics of what we're dealing with here. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.